0: Uh, Security, I would say, is important because it's one of the cornerstones of essentially the world now. So much information out there and information can be used to abuse people. It can get in the wrong hands. It could be misused. That's why security is important to prevent that from happening. And being aware of what information is out there and what you can do to protect yourself is a great tool. And using relationship-based access control is just one way of doing that.
1: You're listening to What the Tech, a podcast powered by the Computer Science Department of UCalgary, here to deconstruct complex computer science concepts bit by bit and explain what the tech is going on. My name is Paolo. My name is Lynn. In this episode, we talk to Zane Rizvi, a PhD student who has been very involved in the UCalgary community for over a decade. As you'll hear in this episode, Zane likes to keep real busy. Today, we cover what the tech is up with relationship-based access controls, as well as what it's like to do an internship at Facebook. Without further ado, please welcome our guest, Zane Rizvi.
2: Welcome to the show, Zane.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
2: Awesome. So we'll kind of start out with a quick little icebreaker here. Why don't you just tell us who you are, what you're currently doing, and just give us a quick overview of any current positions and projects that you're working on. Yeah, thank you, Lyndon. Uh, so, my name is Ann Risby. I am a PhD student in the Computer
0: Science Department at the University of Calgary, working with Dr. Philip Fong in the Information Security Group. I've been a student at the University of Calgary since 2009. I did my undergrad, my master's, and now I'm doing a PhD, all back to back. No really breaks in the middle. Um, luckily, I am near the end of my PhD, so I do have my defense in about two and a half weeks uh, since from today. Um, And uh, I've also been able to start a job, luckily. Uh, So things have been going well, they're busy, but I'm pretty happy. And I think things are going well.
2: Amazing. Well, first and foremost, oh. good luck on your defense. I don't think we've ever had anyone on the show that's been about to like defend their PhD, so I guess good luck with that. Thank <laughs> um, you. Thank you. Cool. So you said that you started uh, your journey at the UC, Um, you did your undergraduate, you did your master's program, and you're now doing your PhD. Correct. Um, With no breaks in the middle.
0: True. Even during my undergrad, I think it was my second or maybe third year, my current supervisor, Dr. Philip Fong, I was taking one of his courses near the end of the semester. He just came up to me and he's like, you want a summer research position? Oh. And at that point I was looking for a job and I said, sure, why not? So we went to his office, we discussed what the projects were and uh, I ended up working for him that summer. And we followed through that till the end of my, my bachelor's. So there hasn't been even been like a summer break in the middle. So, University of Calgary
2: has been my home for the past 11 years. Oh, my goodness. that—that <laughs> That is insane. When did you first know that you wanted to kind of go into computer science?
0: So, like many of the computer science students who come into this, this program, I wanted to make video games. Ah. Uh, as a kid, I was really <laughs> interested in video games. Uh, my siblings weren't. Uh, my father is an engineer, so there was a lot of pressure to go into engineering. But... Yeah. I really enjoyed video games, so that's what I wanted to do. So the closest thing that I could get was computer science. Uh, So I started off my journey in University of Waterloo in Ontario, uh, but after my first year I came to Calgary because that's where my dad was living and just uh, working here for uh, for that year. Um, I liked the city so much that summer that I ended up moving to Calgary. Wow. Yeah, so we started just doing the introductory courses. I was hoping that eventually I would get to do something to do with video games because the department does have a video game concentration. Unfortunately, I could, I never got into it. Just because before I could, that's when Dr. Fong came up to me. He offered me that summer internship, and I liked that project so much, I ended up going into security.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah. But just before we kind of keep going into this, I, I'm very curious as to like when was the first time that you remember like even like playing a video game or like, what was like that first like initial attraction to like, I want to maybe pursue a career in developing or working on video games.
0: So this would have been uh, mid 2000s when I was in high school. Um, there used to be a show, um, Reviews on the Run, Judgment Day, um, and I forget the other one, with uh, Tommy Tallarico and Victor Lucas. And they actually just talked about video games. So it was video game journalism. But oh, crazy. During that show, there was commercials about institute where you get to actually get to learn how to make video games. Ooh. So that's where that idea came in. Wow, there you go. The ads worked. They did. <laughs> I actually applied to that at, uh institute after when I was graduating high school. I got in. My parents weren't happy because it wasn't a four-year university. Um, they're more traditionalist that way. Right. So I ended uh, up having to not accept the
2: acceptance. Oh no.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, as you're starting to understand, okay, maybe video games isn't the path for me. You know, you're in your undergrad and you're getting introduced to this research project. Um, what happens? What, what were like the kind of key points in, in changing your path there?
0: Well, I guess it would be twofold. So one was the actual project that I was working on. Uh, it's called Open MRS, Open Source Medical Records Systems. Okay. And during that first summer, my, my job was just to actually get to learn how that system works and make, maybe make some kind of uh, changes and mostly focus on how the security system works for that, uh, for OpenMRS. And I got to interact with the developers community and actually wrote some documentation for the system because it was lacking. Like they didn't have any documentation on how the security system works. Interesting. So I, I wrote that and that document got r- circulated really well. Uh, I think up until a few years ago, it was still being circulated as here's how the security works. So it was like an impact that I felt like, oh, I actually made this happen. That was when I felt the change coming in. It's like, uh, you know, maybe this is something that could work out. And then, secondly, it uh, was my supervisor, Dr. Philip Fong. Um, I've had a great relationship with him over the past decade, just like his passion drives me and hopefully my passion drives him as well. So we just like, uh, work really well together.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. So I guess going into more specifically on your research here, you said your research really focuses on relationship-based access control. Um, What does that mean?
0: Okay, I'll I'll do my best, it gets a bit theoretical. The example that we like to talk about is uh, in a hospital example, where the industry standard is you specify people's jobs by their, or people's role by their job. You know, we have some people who are doctors, some people who are nurses, administrative staff, janitorial staff, and based on their job description or job title, they have certain things that they can do, right? So a doctor can take a look at a patient's record just by being the virtue of a doctor. Now, this can get into some issues. And there've been some real life cases as well where just because you're a doctor, you shouldn't be able to look into random patient's records. Um, And the example comes in like, you know, in America, celebrities have their, they come into the hospital and we have either have some like students or some other doctor who are just curious as to why this person came in and they just look up their record. Um, They shouldn't be doing that. Uh, The hospital gets sued, people's careers get ruined, um, Mm -hmm. and just bad stuff follows. Um, It gets caught, but it gets caught afterwards, Right doesn't prevent it from happening. So here yeah. we use the keyword relationships it's because you have a relationship with your doctor, and you use that you use those relationships to make decisions. So, if I have a relationship with my doctor, they can look at my record. If I don't have a relationship with some other doctor, they have no reason to look at my record, and they shouldn't be doing so.
2: And so, is this this is the is, is this is the research that you will be defending in the next two weeks?
0: This or? was my master's research. Oh.
2: I see, I see. This okay. is your master's research. Okay. okay.
0: Uh, so moving on to the PhD, we kind of went with the same theme of research, but we made it more abstract. Oh, okay. Um, so here we are focusing on one. In my master, we were focusing on one application, OpenMRS. Right. But in PhD, well, we're just looking at general applications. But what's going down is databases. That's where all this information is stored. Mm-hmm. Um. But the the one interesting thing is like there's different types of databases. You have like the relational databases which are traditional, where you have like rows and columns and tables, that's where everything's stored. Um, and they're very strict, they have schemas that specifies what, e- what each row or each entry, what data does need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other ones like MongoDB, which is a document-based database, uh, Neo4j, graph-based database, um, they don't behave the same way. Interesting. Um, so the things you can do with MySQL or a relational database is not the same thing you, you can do with MongoDB.
2: Right. And
0: it's not the same thing you can do with Neo4j. I'm talking in, in security-wise. Uh, Policy is a way to protect the resource. Uh, so what ha- ends up happening is everybody just starts creating security systems for these databases specifically. So here's a, data, here's a security model that works with MongoDB it may not work with any other database type. Okay, Or here's, a, a, here's a, a access control model that only works with Neo4j, no other database type. So we took that as like, well, that's not really the best thing out there just because, you know, like if you have an application, it may need to work with multiple database types. You may change database over time. Um, so we wanted to focus on being able to create a model that works with various database types. Or mm. um, well, it works with various database models. So we, we have something that's working with a graph database like Neo4j, a document database with, like MongoDB, a wide column database like Cassandra, and the model can, can be applied to all three of these databases even though they behave very differently.
1: Are, are there specific kind of concepts that allow that to, to you know, be possible?
0: So, there are concepts, and what we ended up doing was kind of still working with a schema, which describes what the data looks like in the database, um, but not forcing it to a specific database. So, we use what's called description logic to describe the data. Okay. Now, this kind of operates between the application and the database. So, if you look at uh, as a layered system, so you have the database at the very bottom where the um, where the, all the data resides. Normally, you have the application sitting on top of that, which accesses the database, you know, gets the data, puts in more data, um, and that's how the op- application operates. So, we're going to just squeeze something in there uh, between the application layer and the database layer, uh, which describes to the application what the database looks like. Mm. Or, so, it, you could change the underground database, but that middle layer kind of stays the same that that, uh, what we call the pseudo dynamic schema to describe what the data looks like that stays the same. You can put in a new database with a similar type of data and kind of like works out of the box. Oh, wow.
2: And so is this designed for like a, like an industrial setting or is it just like
0: the hope is that it does get picked up and uh, you know, does get applied to an industrial setting. Yeah. Um, At this stage, it's only research focused uh, because, you know, a two-person team can only do so much, me and my supervisor. Um, But we're hoping that, uh, you know, eventually we'll get this uh, published as a paper and then um,
1: see where it can be applied. Is there a specific application that you would like to see this kind of model be applied to in terms of your, your kind of interests?
0: Um, I would love for my research to come all the way around, so especially in a hospital environment because that's where I got started. Um, mm-hmm. So if you could look at like medical record applications, some open source others, even some proprietary, um, if they can make use of this technology that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone's out there listening, I'd be happy to help as a consultant uh, for that project to happen.
1: That's great. Yeah, there you go. We understand you do a lot of other projects here. One thing we came across is you did an internship at Facebook. That is true. <laughs> First, before we get into that, when was this?
0: This was summer 2019, last oh, year.
1: Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, OK, yeah. so this was like this is in the middle of your PhD.
0: This is last year, so it's in the middle of my PhD. Um, mm-hmm. So we were hoping to get two big papers from a PhD. It was like one was almost written. Uh, one was almost finalized before we could submit it uh, for review. Uh, so that's when the internship took place.
1: Ah, I see. OK. And so, wh- what was this experience like? Like, what were you kind of doing? And, and,
0: all right. Um, so, actually, before I'm going to do that, I would like to say keep your LinkedIn page uh, up to date because that's how I actually got the internship. I never applied for it in the first place. They reached out to me. Oh, no. And it Crazy. worked out. So keep your LinkedIn page up to date uh, All right, and it will work like things can happen. And the, and the experience at Facebook, uh, if you've ever seen the show Silicon Valley from HBO.
1: Yeah. Yes. It
0: kind of was like that. <laughs> so, uh, we were at the Menlo Park campus and uh, you know, it's like it's a huge campus there. I think there were like 1100 uh, interns coming in that year. And I was working on a project called wit.ai. This is a natural language processing application um, Mm. where it's like you talk to a device, like your cell phone or any other kind of Alexa or Facebook has their portal now. You talk to them and they're supposed to be able to understand you and do what you said, you know, Mm. turn on the TV, close the lights, uh, set the home temperature to 20 degrees. (laughs) I got to work on a feature for it. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, I can't really go into details on what that feature was. It's okay.
1: Yeah. So, you know, maybe we can't go too much in detail of uh, what the actual product that you worked on was, but um, can you maybe speak to some of the challenges you faced during that and um, kind of applying how you applied, you know, your previous knowledge to, to kind of get things done?
0: It, it was it was, a ele- there was a 12 week internship so it was, and it was really fast paced. So that was one of my bigger challenges there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a project, there was a timeline for that specific project. And like, from my experience, it was a bit too fast paced, especially because I hadn't had any industry experience in the past.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there was a lot of learning going on. Like we were learning like a new language. I think I ended up having to learn like three different programming languages. Um, just to get that project running. Wow. Um, and I would like wake up in the morning, go to campus, do my work, come back home, maybe take a short dinner break, and then just continue working uh, into Crazy. like up until midnight. Um, so there was a lot of learning because obviously, like you know, the project already exists. So there's already so much code there, and you're supposed to make modifications. So you have to learn, okay, what's going on in there, and how do I make changes? without breaking everything. Mm -hmm. And I have to learn how everything else works so that I can actually integrate my changes into working with other parts of the system. Mm -hmm. So that was the difficult part. Um, Luckily, I was able to use my experience from OpenMRS, just coming back to that old research, where I had done exactly that. My supervisor gave me uh, a whole open source system. It's like, study it and see how it operates. and I did that. So I was able to leverage that past experience into learning how this works. Mm-hmm. Not that it was easy, but at least I, I knew like how to look for things, how to read other people's code and um, how to just follow through how things happen.
1: Right. Yeah. That's great because it, it seems to speak to the value, you know, of doing your master's uh, in, in uh, computer science, you know, I feel like there's, quite a bit of people out here who think maybe an undergrad might be enough. And maybe it is in some cases, but then, you know, for you, you, you get this experience, um, where, you know, you do your masters and then Facebook reaches out to you.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and, and like, like you said, like, you know, a grad school is not for everybody. Um, mm. I mean, like people, some people don't like to do research or other independent research and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I'm pretty sure like, uh, I've had former students of mine as, where I was a TA who did their undergrad. Now they're in industry and they're making more than I am because they're in industry. I'm still in grad school kind of. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. so,
0: you know, it's not always just about money, but it is an important factor.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: And, um, it, and you can get similar experiences. Like you can learn how other people code or like reading through other people's code uh, in industry, but I, I guess I was lucky enough to, able to get that through uh, grad school or rather even during a summer internship where it was expected of me that I don't have this skill and I'm actually developing this skill. So mm-hmm. th- there was a lot less pressure on me to be able to get yeah. it done right away and perfectly. Yeah.
1: yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, in your reflection over the whole Facebook experience, um, what do you think the major things you learned were? Um, you know, you you talked about you know you you had to learn specific languages and and you know had to adapt to that environment. Um, was that kind of like the major piece of of your learning experience there?
0: Uh, it may disappoint you. No, uh, my major piece was work-life balance. Oh, nice. Ah. Because as I mentioned, like I was pretty much working throughout the whole day, go to work, go to campus in the morning, come home, have a dinner break, and then just continue working up until midnight. And that's not healthy for a person to do. Uh, <laughs> even though you're enjoying what you do, uh, you're very passionate about it. It just keeps draining you. I discussed with my supervisor there numerous times, like, how do you maintain work-life balance? Mm. And you just you have to take care of yourself. You have to like know when is enough, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you don't have to be doing 110 percent the whole day.
1: Yeah, so yeah that, totally.
0: So that was my big lesson of the, at the end of the whole term.
1: I'm I'm just curious here. Given everything you've said about that, would you go back?
0: The team I was working with was amazing. Working with those people, definitely, I would love to go back. But luckily. Uh, I was able to get a job here in Calgary with Mm -hmm. Newly, which is focusing more on the security side, which is actually has to do with my research. And I'm happy to be here. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned again earlier in the interview, I like Calgary so much. I still do. And like one of my top priorities were like, if I can stay in Calgary, I would love that. So I'm happy to be here, but uh, I'm not sure how to weigh them against each other. If that was an opportunity, I would have been happy with it as well going yeah. back to Facebook.
1: Awesome. So, you know, internship at Facebook, um, we've covered a lot of your, your academic career and your research, but that's not the end of you. We, we know you, you do a lot of other projects still too. You launched a podcast here right. at UCalgary.
0: Right here at U Calgary.
1: Yes. Here at UCalgary. <laughs> uh, how was that experience? Uh, and how did you kind of get into doing that?
0: So the project actually started, I guess, it started in my mind about, I guess, almost two years ago now. You know, like I mentioned, like I've been at the University of Calgary for 11 years. I've met some pretty great people in the computer science department. We had this thing called Tuesday Tea, where Tuesday afternoons, the graduate students, a whole bunch of us got together and we just talk about random things. Doesn't have to be research. Yeah. And that's where I like met a lot of my mentors, including Leanne, who was an earlier guest on your show. Yes. And uh, I learned so much from them and I wanted to share their stories in the hopes that they could also inspire others because they inspired me. And that's where the idea for the podcast came up. So for about a year, I was just trying to get like, talk to people like maybe somebody should take this project. I'm not that great at it because I don't have any experience, but like I was hoping somebody just take this project, run with it. uh, I'll help you out in any way that I can. People liked the idea. Nobody wanted to do it. And so last year, October, I was like, might as well just do it myself. Right. Um, so I got together with a couple of friends and it's like, I invited them to do the interview. At first, we were just focusing on the computer science department because that's where my contacts were. And then eventually when we had a few episodes, I was able to reach out to a greater audience through the GSA, the undergrad SU, and invite people from different parts of the university. Because I, I didn't want to just focus on computer science, even though that's my home. Um, I wanted to highlight <laughs> the whole university. Right and yes um and it's been pretty good so far i'm hoping to look for someone else to take over the podcast just because i'm graduating and i would love to have a uh you know an active university of calgary student host that podcast and again i would of course help out as any way possible
2: yeah right
1: that's awesome and so that's the here at Calgary podcast project um but again Mm -hmm. still so much more that you're doing um and, you know, there's this whole list of other things. Are, are there any other major kind of ones that you want to touch? Um,
0: sure. I guess it's going back in time. So one of the things that I'm, I am more proud of is something called the Experience Share Program. This actually started when I was starting my PhD. I, I got to be have a position of a TA called the TA in residence. Uh, now, this is a, usually one person, one graduate student in the department who has shown to have good teaching skills. And they get to go and help out other newer TAs. Because in our department, and I guess in most departments, when you're graduate students, you don't really get much of t- teaching after t- training.
2: Mm-hmm. You get yes. one
0: seminar, here are your academic, here are your administrative responsibilities. Now go teach.
2: Yeah, and yes. And
0: for me, that was, like the first time, that was terrifying. It got better over time. But I wanted to do something for the newer TAs where they can actually talk about this kind of thing and have, have more of a workshop. Now, I know the Taylor Institute of teaching and learning. They also offer teaching workshops, but they're a lot more general. Like for computer science students, we're not grading essays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our labs may look a bit different than let's say accounting or chemistry or other departments. So I wanted to have more focus on computer science there. We started this workshop and we had a list of topics that we wanted to discuss and the TAs could come in, ask questions, they could share their stories, talking about uh, what problems they've encountered in the past and how they overcame those problems. And then hopefully other people who have encountered similar problems have some idea on how to move forward from them or how to address those problems. Right. And this was supposed to be no instructor involvement, no higher level involvement. So it's I'm supposed to say anonymous. You can share your problems. It's not supposed to come back and be like, oh, you discuss, you know, the instructor is unhappy with you because you had some problems <laughs> and uh, yeah. now you're in trouble. You wanted to prevent that from happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah totally.
0: Luckily, uh, last year, these uh, these workshops became an official part of the department. Oh, nice. So TAs actually have to attend these uh, seminars to help improve their teaching
1: skills. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we talked about it with Leanne a little bit too, right, of how important it is to kind of empower your uh, teaching assistants here um, yeah. as they get started with teaching.
0: <laughs> it is, and especially like since we have so many international students, they're where teaching could be a bit different yeah, um, yeah, they might not know how we how things are supposed to be done here with the
1: teaching
2: styles um, yeah no that's of course so true
1: well that's awesome the experience share program seems like uh, a very successful project on on that side so that's awesome and uh one more thing here that uh, I guess on your list of all of the things that you've done here, I see your general co-chair for Secrets in 2018 and 2019. Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Um, so Secrets is the security researchers and industry experts talks. It started by one of our other former graduate students, uh, Arash Afshar, or rather Dr. Afshar now. We invited people from, from local industry, so like companies around Calgary, And we invited some of our graduate students or even undergrad students, uh, faculty members. And it was a place where they could present the work that they're working on and network with each other. Mm. So the first one was offered in 2016, uh, I believe. And then uh, I was actually one of the guest speakers uh, at that event. Um, And then the next year, the person organizing it, they they ended up leaving University of Calgary, transferred someplace else. And they just put this project in my lap. It's like, can you do this? And this was, I think, November of 2017. Yeah. I was hesitant a bit at first, just because, like, I don't, I didn't really have time to do all this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, there was also an instructor involved there who was, like, our main faculty contact uh, Mm. for this project. They talked me into it. Um, We held the event in 2018. Um, again, we tried to do similar things. So we invited people from various companies around Calgary. So newly, where I'm working now, uh, we had representatives mm-hmm. from there. We even had representatives from City of Calgary, City of Lethbridge, KPMG, even people from other, like students from other universities, like from University of Lethbridge uh, also came and attended the event. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so, for, so we did this twice in 2019. I got stuck with 2019 again, just because, again, I couldn't find anyone else to take over the project. Unfortunately, we couldn't offer it in 2020 because of the ongoing pandemic. Of course. Um, so we didn't know. So, But hoping that 2021, um, we could come back and redo the event because it was really appreciated by our faculty, our department, and even industry partners who actually showed up and they sponsored the event. And yeah. uh, they, you know, they just get to network with people here and then lead to uh, joint projects between industry and university
2: yeah no yeah. totally totally and just like growing that web of kind of interdepartmental um kind of relationships right is is super important certainly um yeah so hey well we've covered so much in this like obviously your extensive uh amazing kick-ass resume thank you you know you just uh, a lot of great things that you're doing obviously uh have talked a lot about a lot of things um but is there anything else that you would like to i know we kind of already asked you, you know, are there any other projects that you want to cover? But maybe something that's greater than a project that you're doing, something that you're maybe, um, passionate about in the world, um, you know, just share your interests.
0: Um, so one thing that I have been really passionate about has been teaching. And as I mentioned, like, you know, when I started my masters, I had no teaching experience, I just got thrown in like, Oh, here's a course and I'll go TA it. Um, Mm -hmm. and. i'm sorry i'm going to brag a bit here so over the years (laughs) i've won two departmental teaching awards for ta and the faculty of science fred a mckinnon teaching award as well
1: that's awesome (laughs) thank you
0: um and i guess it's just because of my passion is what i do yeah that's something that i would really love for to be able to continue forward so one thing that i've tried doing in the past was Mm -hmm. online teaching seminars now this was before the pandemic actually forced the university to do all these online teaching seminars or teaching lectures. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, And that was because like we were in a class with about 350 some odd people. This was an introductory computer science course. The students wanted to do an exam review, but there wasn't really any time for that during the tutorials. I wanted to do something like this, but that would mean getting a room where we could fit 350 people, and finding a time where 350 people could. Yeah. So that's why I ended up doing um, an online stream on Twitch. And no way. Yeah, it was like a. Uh, it was used to be my former gaming channel, which did not take off. <laughs> um, but I actually got to turn it into a teaching channel where people attended, and it turned out to be a really great experience. Not just for me, but I think for the students as well because normally when, I'm, when people are TAing, students are dead silent. You ask them a question, you get nothing. Now, obviously this isn't the, ex- the experience for everybody, but I've seen that happen a lot. Right. Could be yeah. students are nervous, they just don't want to talk in front of people, uh, maybe you're just too boring uh, as a TA. But during that online session, the chat was very lively. People were asking questions and answering either each other's questions and they could do that without actually disturbing the whole session because the chat is text-based. Right, yeah. That was again, a really good experience and I wanted to pursue that further. So I was actually that for for the whole course. So I was initially meant just to be for exam sessions. I did it for other review sessions as well, just as a cap for like, okay, this is what we did in the past month or so. Mm -hmm. Um, I continued it on the next year as well. And I believe it was either this year or last year, um, other, like one of the instructors actually asked me, like, do you still have those previous videos that I could use for my students from that session? I like, yeah, sure. They're available on YouTube. Um,
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So that was also another fun project to do. That's A lot of so hard cool. work goes into that, but, uh, fun.
2: How do, how do we find yeah. these videos on YouTube? Cause I'm kind of curious now.
0: <laughs> um, I think my channel is called Zen Z A I N. RISV. Um, and I can send you a link for that as well if you're interested.
1: Yeah, and we'll put in the show notes.
0: Sure, yeah, you um, if you're interested in that. So yeah, so there's introductory Java tutorials as well and I was able also advertising them on the University of Calgary subreddit.
2: Um, okay, nice, yeah. So
0: that was kind of neat. Um, yeah. You're going to see a lot of terrible video game clips on there, so like it's me, I don't even know how many hours of playing Borderlands 2 on there with a couple <laughs> of friends. part of the same channel it changed over
1: time that's awesome to see you know just how your passions shift your use of technologies and you know the things that you have been doing before can kind of translate into useful kind of just knowledge to to apply and as your passions do shift
0: yeah it's funny how that works out thank you
1: (laughs) yeah yeah all right well so we've covered a lot and i guess we can go into just like the takeaways as we wrap up here if you could sum up what we talked about today how how would you
0: i guess we could do two points because i guess like this conversation was like one more a bit more technical and then we moved on to more general things yep so technically uh security i would say is important because it's one of the cornerstones of essentially the world now there's so much information out there And information can be used to abuse people. It can get in the wrong hands. It could be misused. That's why security is important to prevent that from happening. And being aware of what information is out there and what you can do to protect yourself is a great tool. Mm -hmm. And using relationship-based access control is just one way of doing that. Now, going towards the other part, like the more general discussion, I would say love what you do. Be passionate about it put effort into it, but again, also maintain the work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Great things are possible if you do. Um, My reasoning, like being a student at University of Calgary for 11 years, I'm sorry, you just keep saying that over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm proud of it.
1: And it's because I love the
0: university uh, so much. In my life, I've moved about 23 times. Next week is going to be 24 times. Oh, crazy. Um, And for the past 11 years, University of Calgary has been my one constant Um, I've never played, stayed in one place as long as I've stayed at the University of Calgary. So that's my, like my home. Um, and I'm passionate about it. I got to meet so many great people. I, uh, learned so much and I wanted to give back. That's, that's what I was passionate about. And that's, that's what I got to do. And I actually got to do some of these projects. I actually got to see them make an impact. So that was, that's been amazing. So if you love what you do and do what you love, great things are possible.
2: And always keep that LinkedIn updated.
0: Always keep LinkedIn updated. Yes, thank
2: you. That's (laughs) awesome.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Very, very awesome advice. Well, there you go. Um, Last kind of final piece here then is uh, if people want to go to learn more about uh, you or what we talked about today, uh, where can they do that? Where can they find you? Uh, So there is the
0: LinkedIn page, uh, Zainar Rizvi. Uh, If you're associated with the University of Calgary, it's bound to show up. Uh, You can also reach me at SZR. Rizvi, S so Z R R I Z V I at gmail.com. Uh, so there's Twitter, ZR, Zen R Rizvi. Uh, the University of Calgary, the computer science department page that I have is pages.ucalgary.ca uh, forward slash tilde S Z R Rizvi. And that contains all my previous projects that I've worked on.
2: And how about Fair. the podcast?
0: Yes, the podcast. So the podcast called Here at U Calgary. Um, so that's anchor.fm forward slash here at U Calgary. Uh, there's Twitter called at here you calgary Um, and those are the best places to reach for the podcast cool thank you for that reminder
2: well hey thank you so much zane i i want to just before paulo gives you the final sign off um i just want to personally reach out and just be like good luck on on defending your your thesis um thank you you know big things obviously in the next two weeks a lot of stress just you got it yeah Yeah. yeah
1: all right. Thank you again, Zane, for being on the show. We really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in to What the Tech, a podcast powered by the computer science department of UCalgary. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Also follow us on Instagram at ufc underscore CPSC for more computer science content. If you have any questions or want to suggest future episode topics, you can also visit anchor.fm slash whatthetech-ucalgary. There, you can leave us a voice message with your questions for a chance to get featured in future episodes. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week for another episode of What the Tech.